Good morning. We welcome you to the Lord's house this morning. Will you stand with us? Let's sing praises to him. great singing. You all be seated. Good morning, Cavanaugh Church family. How's everyone doing? Good. It's so good to see you guys. So glad that you guys made it back this weekend and joining us here at our church. It's, it's great when you guys are here singing together and we get to praise the Lord with one another and we get to learn and grow with each other too. Amen? Amen. It's so good. And those online, thank you so much for tuning in. We love you just as much and uh, hopefully you can get here soon with us. All right. Hey, you see what I'm holding my hand right now? This is a Kavanaugh Church mug. I grabbed the orange one because it represents one of the greatest ministries here at Kavanaugh, Blaze Student Ministries. Nice, nice. Anyways, if you are a first-time guest, you can get one of these mugs. We got lime green, we got navy, we got blue. We got all sorts of really cool colors out there. We'd love for you to have one. It's got some really cool stuff in it. It's got a little information card in there um, and, and some information about some other ministries and so forth, a little welcome times and stuff, but it also includes a Chick-fil-A gift card. Oh yeah, 
one of the greatest places to eat on the planet. Can, can I get an amen to that? At least, all right? I'm still kind of hoping this makes its way to heaven some way, shape, or form, going from that 12-piece nugget to the unlimited piece nugget, amen? So there it is. But seriously, if you are a first-time guest, we'd love to be able to meet you, uh, greet you, and then share with you about our church because we love this place and all that goes on here, and we want you to be a part as well. So it's so good to see you guys. Again, we're ready to praise the Lord more and learn and grow together. So I invite you all to stand, and we're going to pray and ask God's anointing on our service. Good to see you guys. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and again, we're so thankful to be back here in this place. So thankful that uh, you brought us all back together and be able to uh, come here and to be able to worship you, God. Lord, we all walk, st- we all walk different uh, ways of life. We all uh, do different things, God, um, and we all come from different backgrounds and different places. Some of us today might need a little bit more encouragement. Some of us are having the best week of our life, God. But Lord, right now, what I'm asking is that we can put all distractions aside. We were able to turn to you and be able to, to focus solely on you today. We can give all of our worship. We can give all of our praise, and we can be able to give all of our focus and attention so we can become and, de- uh, and be developed by you to be the people that you want us to be, God. Because we want to reach our families. We want to reach our friends. We want to reach our coworkers, God. We want to be a, a light and make an impact for you and lead people to you, God. So, Lord, invest in us today. May your spirit dwell in us today. We love you. In your name, amen. Let's continue to praise.
Come on. 
us to have, that when you left and went to heaven, you didn't leave us alone, but you gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth and to direct our paths. And we praise you for that today. Lord, we're thankful that we can come into your presence and that our shame is undone. That's right. Everything that is in our past yes. as a believer is now the slate is clean and we can come before you and live in your presence. I pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us to do what you've called us to do, to leave from this place today and tell other people about what you've done for us, Father, that you are holy and that you are just and you alone are worthy of praise. Lord, we honor you today in this house. I pray that our worship is pleasing to you, that your Holy Spirit will just move just move in our midst. Let the word change us today. It is good to be with your people. It is good to be in your house. It is good to call on the name of the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times and your praise will continually be on my lips. Let that be our prayer today, God. We lift you up in Jesus' name. Amen. everybody said amen amen thank you praise team and uh, may the holy spirit of god fill this place my prayer every sunday morning is that when i speak on the outside the holy spirit would speak on your inside and i pray that he would do that today uh, it's may can you believe this may is already here so excited may's a great month uh next week is uh probably stacy is probably one of the best sundays of the whole year what is it it's Mother's Day, and so if you are a female in this room, and you know you are, and you're proud of it, raise your hand if you're, if you're a female gender, okay? You come back next week, all females are going to get a special gift on Mother's Day. Doesn't matter if you're a mother or not, if you're a lady, we have a special gift for you. But for one mother, okay, one mother in this room, you're going to get an awesome gift, all right? So, but you got to be here. So, be here next Sunday, and you may be the lucky mama that wins the prize gift. And you're going to be so happy. Y'all don't look happy right now. You got a week to think about it. Be here next Sunday, Mother's Day, going to be a great day. Then, in a couple of weeks, on the 22nd, we're going to have Graduation Sunday where we honor our high school and college graduates. going to be an awesome day. If you are about to graduate from either high school or college, we need you to sign up on the iPad out in the Welcome Center so that we can plan your big day. So I'm thinking, okay, here May is, we've got Mother's Day, we've got Graduation Day. What a great month to preach on the family. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to start by talking about what a family is for. Now, 50 years ago, I wouldn't have to preach this sermon because pretty much everybody knew what a family was for. But you know, very few people really understand the value of family. Our families are being attacked today from all sides. The family unit is under attack. And a lot of people really don't understand what a family is for. To some people, it's just a bed and breakfast. Yeah? It's a place to sleep and, and maybe grab a sandwich as you're walking out the door. But God has so much more for your family than just that. And so this past week, as I've been thinking about family and what family is for, I got real emotional. And my mind back, went back to 2002 and this great song that uh, as I would drive Whitney to uh, junior high school in Greenwood, this song would come on, and Whitney would say, Daddy, turn it up. It's Mayberry. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to listen to a little bit of Mayberry. Y'all know Mayberry? Rascal Flats. You'll get
Bye-bye. Wow, what a great song, man. There you go. Don't let me down right here. We need to know what family is for, okay? Because I think we have forgotten what our families are for. Let me suggest four things from the Bible that your family is for. And one of them is sitting on the porch drinking ice-cold cherry Coke, all right? But that's not in my list, all right? Number one, our families are to be a shelter in times of storm. We all have storms in our life, don't we? Because life is tough. It rains on us. It pours on us. We go through tough days and tough times. Things don't always go our way or the way that we planned out. And when that happens, we need a place of protection, a place of stability, and a place of security. I think of Matthew chapter 7, the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And he said, you can build your family, your home, your life on two different foundations. One foundation is a rock. And when you build your life on the rock, when the rains come down and the floods come up and the winds blow, your house, your life is going to stand firm. Why? Because it has a great foundation. It's built on the rock, which is the Word of God in Jesus Christ. The other option is to build your house on the sand. But the problem with that is when the rains fall and the floods come and the winds blow, your house or your life is going to collapse because you have a bad foundation. Well, I'm here to tell you storms are coming. In fact, some of you in this room you're facing many, multiple storms right now. What do you do when that happens in your life? Well, you need a strong family to bring you security and safety. I love Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26. It says, reverence for the Lord gives a man strong confidence. His children have a place of what? Refuge and security. So, Reverence for God gives you confidence, and it gives your kids and your grandkids a place of refuge and security. Do your kids have that at home? The Bible says that God created the family to be a shelter in times of storm. And there are all kinds of storms that blow your way. Health issues, financial issues, job issues, those are all storms. Let me just suggest three storms that you're probably not thinking about, but they are storms nonetheless. Did you know that change is a storm? We go through changes in life. We have illness. There is death that we face. Graduations. We change jobs. We move. But no matter where that is, no matter where your house is, you need to have a family that you know loves you and is going to take care of you. When change comes, we need a place that is a shelter in that storm of change. Something else that we face, failure. Did you know that failure is a storm? You're not always going to be the winner. I hate to break your bubble, but you're not always. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm pretty competitive. Anybody out there like me? How many of y'all really like to win? You'll admit that you like to win. Yeah, my kids grew up with this competitive nature. It flows through my wife's veins, all right? But we're all competitive. And in my family, if you're in second place, guess what you are? Your first loser but here's the problem. We can't always win. You lose sometimes. There are going to be times at work that you're turned down for that promotion. You don't give it. They give it to that jerk next to you that's not nearly as smart as you are. You get an F at school. You don't make the team. You go bankrupt. Things don't always go according to plan. You can handle a lot of failure in life, if you come home to a house that is filled with love, love and hugs that embrace you, where there's a shelter in a time of storm. Ecclesiastes probably says it best, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Two are better in, than one. If one of them falls down, the other can help him up. 
But if someone is alone and they fall, it's just too bad because there's no one there to help him. Family members are fans even when you have a losing season. Thank God for that. They are a shelter in a storm. Change is a storm. Failure is a storm. Do you know rejection is a storm? This is probably the the most difficult storm to handle of all. We hate to be rejected, don't we? We hate to be put down, ridiculed, criticized. And some of the toughest rejection that you ever had was growing up on the playground. Kids are cruel. And if you don't believe in the sin nature of mankind, just volunteer for We Worship. Kids can be ruthless. Many of you even can still remember vividly when you were embarrassed or put down as a kid. Somebody said something about you or to you that hurt your feelings deeply. And you know, if if you didn't have somebody to go home to to reinforce the positive in your life, that can have long-lasting, lifetime emotional wounds. We all need a storm protector when people put us down. And I mean, it's, all, it's happened to all of us, hasn't it? I, I, apparently, I've never gotten over this. It, it happened about 50 years ago when I was 10, 11 years old. Uh, my, my uncle, Richard and Aunt Mary, lived in Arlington, Texas, not far from Six Flags. And so every year, uh, Dad would take us on vacation and would have a free place to stay at my aunt and uncle's house. And we'd go to Six Flags with them. Well, my cousin Keith, who is a year younger than me, had a season pass to Six Flags. So he, he knew all the ins and outs, all the shortcuts. He, would, he, would, he, he knew how to cut in line, you know, to get up close. And, and so we spent the whole day riding all the rides. And, and it was in line for the log ride. Remember the log ride? Back in the day, that was the best ride because you were hot and sweaty, and if you were at the right place in the log, you got really wet. So we were in line on the log ride, and you know how the lines go. They, they twist and they turn, go back and forth. And I was standing there with my cousin Keith, and right behind me, this girl said, hey, number 12. That was me. I had on a Roger Staubach shirt. I was number 12. And so I looked at her, and Whitney, she was the prettiest girl I had seen in my life up to that point in time. She, she was a good one or two years older than I was, and I mean, she was just knocked down, dead, gorgeous. And she was calling my number. <laughs> hey, number 12. And, and I looked, that's me, I looked at her, smiling, and I'm thinking, she's hitting on me. This good-looking chick is wanting to ride the log ride with me. That's what I'm thinking, all right? Here's what she said. Hey, number 12, would you move on up? Because apparently the line had moved, and I didn't realize they had moved, and there was a big gap there. She said, move on up, you dork. And right there I withered. Because in front of all those people, that good-looking chick called me a dork at Six Flags. You know what? You, You need to have a home that even though they know you're a dork, they're not going to call you a dork. That they're going to love you. You know, when we were kids, we would play games and... And those games had a goal. The goal was to get home safely. Home plate was safe. When you made it home, you were safe. Homes were meant for safety. They are a shelter in a storm. Did did you know that, You really, honestly, you should have a home and a family where you can just be yourself and not have to worry about it where you can cry when you need to cry, laugh when you need to cry, laugh. That's what homes are for. They are shelters in the storm where you can let down the facade and be consoled and comforted and cared for. So what is our response to this? Well, I think it's simple. You love your family. 
You love the people in your home. You demonstrate it to them when they're going through a tough time. And I guarantee you, this week, somebody in your house is going to face a storm. And from you, they need the triple H effect. What is the triple H? Well, it's three H's. The first is hear. You need to listen to them. You need to hear what they are actually saying. You need to hear the pain that they're going through. H number two is you need to give them a hug, some kind of embrace, some kind of affection. And then H number three, you help them out of the problem that they're facing. God meant for your home to be a shelter in times of storm. Let's make our home that. Number two, a family is a learning center for life. We usually think of parents teaching their kids. But can I tell you, I've learned so much from my kids. And now, now that they're older and grown, I'm still learning so much from them because all three of my kids are so much smarter than I am. And if you're not learning from your family, you're missing so much. The Bible says that families are to be learning centers. Did you know that you learn the basic skills that you need to do life in your home. You learn how to walk, how to talk, how to eat. Goes on to say this in Psalm 144, verse 12. May our sons in their youth be like plants that grow up strong. The Bible often compares the family to a garden. It is a place, the home is a place where you grow people. A garden to grow your family in. Going on from there, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and in the instruction of the Lord. And that's what we're to have as a family. We are to raise our kids in the instruction and the training of the Lord. Somebody has said that the bottom line in training your child is to know which end to pat and when to pat it. Let that soak in, please. When you're training your children, you want to take them through three stages, from parental control to self-control and ultimately to God control. When they're allowing God to control their thinking and their lives, God intends families, your family, your home, to be a learning center for life. Jesus modeled that for us. Remember Luke chapter 2, verse 52? It tells us that Jesus, as a young man, grew in four different ways. He grew in wisdom, that is, in intellectual growth. He grew in stature, physical growth. In favor with God, spiritual growth. And in favor with man, social growth. That ought to be the goal for us as parents in raising our kids. That they grow in these four ways, intellectually, spiritually, socially, and physically. Did you know there's some things you're not going to leave home without? <laughs> it's not necessarily a card. Eh? There are three things you're not going to leave home without. Number one, you're not going to leave home without understanding relationships. You learn to relate to other people in your home, whether that's good or whether that's bad, whether it's right or wrong, effective or ineffective, we are helping our kids and grandkids determine how they're going to relate to others the rest of their life. So let me tell you something. We need to spend some time teaching our kids how to relate, how to look somebody in the eye, how to speak to them, how to respect authority, how to shake somebody's hand. How to be a good person and a nice person and how to build lasting relationships. That ought to be a priority. Not let your kids leave until they learn how to establish relationships. You're not going to leave home without character. Did you know that much of what you are and who you are, basically you picked up from your parents? Like father, like son. It's true. Character is caught more than it's taught. You can't tell your kids, always be honest, always tell the truth. And then when the phone rings, say, oh, tell them I'm not here. 
They watch your actions more than they listen to what you say. You're not going to leave home without values. Think of all the things we learn at home. We learn about work and work habits at home, about time and time management, about money, about play. We learn about God. We learn about other people. We learn what is really important to us at home. Values come through loud and clear, either unintentionally or intentionally. Isaiah chapter 38, verse 19. One generation makes known your faithfulness, Lord, to the next. You see, your family is a relay of values. It's like a relay race. You're passing that baton of values onto your kids. They're going to be passing those same values, that same baton, onto their kids. And then the next generation and the generation after that. Your family is simply one link in a long chain throughout time, linking families before you to the families that come after you. And guys, let me think, when you think about that, that's serious. That is so serious. It's saying that I'm not only influencing my kids, but I'm influencing my grandkids and their kids and their grandkids and generations that I won't even see, I am building and influencing by the values that I pass down. So, what are you passing on to your kids? Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I've made a decision not to impose my spiritual values on my kids. I'm just going to let them decide for themselves what they think about God, the Bible, and church. I've had people say that to me, and, and, and I don't know that I've said it back to their face, but I've thought in my brain, that's a bunch of baloney. The foolishness of that is that it implies God is an option, but he's not an option. If you're not teaching your family about God, you are making a major mistake that has eternal implications to it. It's not a matter of just letting them decide. The Bible says that if you are a parent, that's part of your job description. Your job is to teach Christian values to your kids. You've all seen baby dedications that we do here at Kavanaugh. And I read several different passages of Scripture. Sometimes I read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, these commandments that I'm giving you today, these commandments, impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit in your home. Talk about them when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Pass these values on to your kids as you're driving them to school, as you sit down and eat a meal, when you're standing in line at Walmart, before you put them to bed, impress these spiritual values onto your kids. My wife did a tremendous job teaching our children spiritual values. And you know what? They picked that up and they taught each other spiritual values because it was taught to them. What is my response to this? Well, I need to ask myself two questions. What am I intentionally teaching my kids? And let me tell you, if you're not intentionally doing it, it's probably not getting done. So you know what? You need to make yourself a list, okay? These are the values that, that I hold. This is what I want my kids to leave home with. And so you intentionally teach those values to your kids. Again, my wife was a great model of this. She, she did it every day, and, and I, I don't know if it was intentional or, or not, Angie. I, you know what I think? I think it's just the way you were raised. Your mother intentionally taught you kids the basic values of life and what's important in life. And so it just naturally carried on with my wife teaching our kids. And Whitney, I pray you do the same thing for your kids. Intentionally, in your mind. Say, you know what, today, Nathan, today I'm, I'm going to teach my kids a little bit of patience. That's a fun one, isn't it? Huh? Or maybe the value of generosity. 
but you've got it in your head and you're intentionally teaching them. Then you need to ask yourself the question, what am I unintentionally teaching my kids? What what am I teaching them about money by the way I spend my money? What am I teaching them about time management by the way I spend my time? About sex, about character, about honesty, about all the issues of life, about work and work ethic and value. What do I want my kids to know? What do I want them to leave home with? Number three, A family is a place to love, unconditional love. A family is is, is a place, a home is a place where, you you know what, you need to have fun. You you need to think, you know what, I can't wait to get home because home is where my heart is. is. My home is the best home in the neighborhood. I love my home. That's what your family ought to be. The root of that is the relationship between the husband and the wife. Listen to Genesis chapter 2. Here's how it all started, verses 18 and 24. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone, and so I will make him a helpmate. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined together to his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. It's been said that the greatest thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. And I think the same thing is true for the wife. Church, I believe the reason we have so many problems in our society today is because the first institution that God established to be the foundation of the moral society of our world is collapsing. And I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about the home. And so it all starts in the home between the husband and wife and the love and the respect that they have for each other. And that is caught by the kids. Yes, it's taught, but it's more caught than anything else. And your family becomes a place of love. You're genuinely loved because of who you are. Number four, God meant for the family to be a launch pad for ministry. Now, you may have never thought of your family as being a ministry team together, but let me tell you, it will unify your family like nothing else. It will bring more joy to your family than anything else that you can do. When you come together as a family and do projects for the kingdom of God together, whether it be you as a husband and wife or if you have children in the home, you form a ministry team in your home. Uh, this is biblical. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I think it's verse number 15. It says that Stephanus and his family were the first to become Christians in Greece. And they are spending their lives helping and serving Christians everywhere. Right there it is in black and white. Stephanus and his family became a ministry team. They were helping other Christians. They were serving other people. What a great goal to have that your family become a ministry team, to see our family as a launch pad for the kingdom of God. Well, how do you do that? Well, it says right here that Stephanus did it by helping and serving other people. I think the ultimate basis of joy and harmony in the family is seen in Acts chapter 16, verse 34. You you remember what's happening here. Paul and his associates are in prison at Philippi. At midnight, the the bars bust loose, and the guard finds that the the gates are open, and, and so he's about to kill himself because prisoners have escaped. But Paul said, don't do that. We haven't gone anywhere. We're still here. And he witnessed to them about the Lord Jesus, and the Philippian jailer was saved. He brought Paul and his associates into his own home. He cleansed their wounds. And here's what it says in verse 34. The whole family, that whole family was filled with joy because they had come to believe in God. The whole family got saved. And what did it do? It changed the fabric of that family because everybody in the family was changed. They were all believers and there was joy in that family. And guys, that's the bottom line. 
when your whole family, when everybody, mom, dad, kids, all know the Lord, when they all love the Lord, and when they're all serving the Lord, there's joy in your home. Jesus brings us together. Jesus is the glue. You, you hear, hear these statistics all the time. They say the divorce rate in America right now is one every, out of every 2.5 marriages ends in divorce. A number of years ago, Harvard University did a study. They later reported the results in Marriage and Family magazine. They, they studied families that were, that were really Christians, all right? They read the Bible together. They prayed together. They went to church together every week. The divorce rate dropped from one out of every 2.5 to one out of every 1,286 couples. That's a major shift, isn't it? I mean, divorce may still occur, but not nearly as rapidly as often as those who don't read the Bible together, those who don't pray together, and those who don't come to church together. That's the difference God can make in a marriage and a family. Let me tell you, God is the glue. And you need that glue in your home. My number one task as a father is to do everything I possibly can to make sure my kids and my grandbabies grow up and love Jesus and accept Jesus as their Savior and live for Jesus. That is so important. And if you have people in your family that don't know the Lord, you need to be praying for them nonstop every single day. Nothing is as important to me as a father than to know that my kids are going to heaven. To know that my kids are going to meet me in heaven. To know that as a family, we're going to spend eternity together. And you need to make that a priority in your life. Who cares if you make a million bucks? Who cares if you have the biggest house in town? Who cares if you have a thousand people who work for you? Who cares if you have everything this world can give? But your family doesn't know the Lord, and your kids are going to go to hell. If your family already is believers and are Christians, what do you do then? Well, you turn your family into a ministry team. How do you do that? Well, like Stephanus, you serve other people. You minister to other people. Romans chapter 12, verse 13 out of the Living Bible says, when God's children are in need, help them out. Get into the habit of inviting guests to your home for dinner or if they need lodging for the night. Minister to other people. How about this? Set out on the front porch drinking an ice-cold cherry Coke and when your neighbors walk by or drive by, wave to them. Call them by their first name. Minister to them. Hospitality is a lost art in our world today. We ought to be pros at it. What should be your response in making your home, your family, a ministry launching pad? Well, I think the starting point is you just dedicate your home to the Lord. You know, as, as a person, you've done that with your life. You've dedicated your life to the Lord. Why not dedicate your home to the Lord and your family to the Lord? Just dedicate everything you have to God. M maybe your home, your house can turn into a site for a Bible study or a small group meeting. Maybe you just invite people over and, and share the gospel with them. You dedicate your home to the Lord. Now, this is not my idea. It's God's idea. All of this is God's idea. You know what? All I've done today is just kind of scratch the surface on what God's plan for your family ought to be. But let me very quickly say as I close this thing down, there are no perfect families because there are no perfect people. You know that, don't you? It's kind of like a church. If you ever find the perfect church, please don't join it. Because if you join it, it won't be perfect anymore. And my guess is that every single family in this room right now, 
and those watching online, every family I'm talking to needs to be strengthened. No matter how bad your family is, it could get better, couldn't it? No matter how good your family is, there is room for improvement. I did the devotion at our international missions meeting this past week, and and my devotion was on this little phrase that Frank Wiley taught me. Frank Wiley pastors of Sunny Lane Free Will Baptist Church in Dell City, Oklahoma. Today, Brother Frank is celebrating 50 years of ministry at that church. Isn't that remarkable? Yeah, I know he can't hear you, but give Frank a big hand, a round of applause. I don't know, Frank, Frank's 72, 74 years old, and he's still as innovative as any young pastor I've ever met. Frank's always looking for something new to do to, to challenge his people. One day in chapel, when I was a student at Hillsdale College, Frank preached, and here's what he said. Good, good better, best, never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. And that became my motto for life. Good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. You know what? That that needs to be the motto for your family. Your family needs to be strengthened today. The way you do that is make God the glue. (laughs) Come this morning and dedicate your family, your home to the Lord. Now I know what some of you are thinking. Well, well, what about me? I'm, I'm not married. I don't have a family. I'm single. What about the never married, the the widowed, the formerly married? Well, two things. Number one, don't discount or ignore the relatives that you have. I mean, you've got family out there, whether it be brothers and sisters, mom, dad, cousins, aunts and uncles who are still alive. Don't ignore them. Reconnect to them. And especially if they are not believers, you need to connect to them to pass that baton of faith on to them. Number two, realize as a Christian, you are a part of a large family, which according to Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 is referring to the church. The church is called the family of believers. We are the family of faith, the family of God. This is just a larger family, a larger expression of what ought to be going on in your smaller family unit. And so if you don't have a big family or a family of your own, you can connect with a local church family. We are the family of believers. Everything that God has said to do in the natural biological family, we are to do as a church. This church is to be your shelter in times of storm. This past week, some of you got got battered. An F5 tornado went through your life. Rains fell, floods came, winds blew. And you walked into these doors this morning a little bit beat up. I hope you feel loved today. You are loved. We are your shelter in times of storm. This church is your learning center for life. From the cradle to the grave, we're learning together the values that God wants us to know. This is a family of love. And I, you know what? My prayer, my prayer is that everybody who walks through these doors experiences the love of God. You know what? I, I don't care who you are or what you've done or where you've been. God loves you. And God loves you so much, he doesn't want to keep you the, the way you are right now because you're miserable. He wants to change you and bring joy into your life. This is a family of love. And this church helps you in your own ministry. This is our launch pad right now. So get involved in ministry through this church family. If you don't have a natural family living in this area, make this your family because you're loved here. Now we're about to have an invitation, and it's going to be different today. Angie and the praise team are not going to come up and sing. We're just, we're just going to play some music through the sound system. Why? Because I want to allow even those who do the invitation to participate in this invitation. A couple of things. Number one, if you're here today without Christ, he's not your savior and your friend. I invite you to come receive the greatest gift you could be given, eternal life. So come and be saved. Second thing is for all of us. Let's bring our families to the Lord today.
husbands, wives, kids, grandkids, you, you come today and dedicate your life and your family to the Lord. Our families are under attack. Ain't no doubt about that. And the only way you're going to survive the storms that you face is with God at the very center. So come today and dedicate your family to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless us as families as we come and pray at the altar today. Lord, for those who are here and they don't have a family, I pray that they would come and and pray for their church family, that they would be a better church member and a part of this family of faith. Dear Lord, those of us who have family, just as as the daddies, as the men, as the husbands, may we gather around our families today and dedicate our family and our home to you. And dear Lord, for those who are struggling and have issues, I pray that you would meet those issues today in your own way. I love you, Jesus. I love these people. May this be a healing time in families this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to ask that you stand up with heads bowed and eyes closed and just step out. As soon as you stand up, don't even hesitate. Bring your family to the altar. Just make your way down to the front. Maybe they're at the aisle, wherever. If you can't make it down here, pray there at your chair with your family. Let's dedicate our homes to the Lord, would you? Lord, how good it is to be able to pray with our families today. And I pray a blessing on every family that's in this room and all those who are listening online. Lord, also know that uh, sometimes we can be hurt deeply in our families. That, that hurt is probably the greatest of all hurts. And so, Lord, if there's somebody in this room who's been hurt by their family, I pray that healing would take place in their hearts. Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church family. Bless us and use us in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks. You can be seated for just a second. Appreciate you being here today. Make sure you come back next Sunday, Mama's Day. You're going to love it, ladies. Let me read a card to you. 
says, uh, thank you so much, dear church family. You have been so kind to me during this difficult time of Jim's illness and passing. Thank you for the wonderful family dinner. I so appreciate all the wonderful cards, texts, phone calls, and thoughtful things you took the time to bring me. All of the love you've shown has helped me through this journey of loss. Much love, Phyllis Hausch. Phyllis, we love you. We're certainly praying for you and your family. Uh, Melissa's right here. Melissa lost her daddy this past week. The funeral is this week. And Melissa, love you, and we're praying for you. I love the Brazel family. Judy, we love you, and I know you're experiencing great loss as uh, Ralph is in heaven today. Uh, those three guys are having a great time, though, huh? and uh, it's something that we long for as well. Let's pray for each other. You know what? Because that's what families do. When you walk out of the room, make sure you drop your offering off in one of those black boxes. We would so appreciate it. Tonight, if you want to hear a good Bible lesson uh, on Facebook Live, you can tune in at 6.30. Brother Ray's going to be teaching. Come back Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. We have activities for all ages. And again, if you are going to be graduating from high school or college, we need you to sign up on one of those iPads out in the Welcome Center before you leave today. Boy, I hope you have a great day. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go home and sit on the back porch, play fetch with JoJo, and I'm going to have an ice-cold cherry Coke. God bless you. Get out of here.